return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Amen. I'd like to start today's Sunday school with a word of prayer. Shall we bow down our heads for a word of prayer? Our most high God, we are grateful and thankful to you for today. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the strength we have to even come into your presence. We thank you that we are about to even study your word. We ask that as we sit and listen to your word, come and speak to us, O Lord. Come and bless our hearts. Come and impact into our lives. Let us be nourished. Let us be refreshed by your word. And let us live here empowered than ever before. I pray that you use me as a vessel to bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we thank God for today. It's really chilly outside, but we are alive and strong, and we are still in the presence of God. And it gives us a cause to be happy. So this morning, uh, the topic for, for our Sunday school is guard your heart. Guard your heart. So today is a special day. Today is Valentine's Day. Um, and all over the world, it's, it's a day of love. And a day where couples and people in relationship, you know, show affection and show their love to each other. And people also reassure themselves of the love they have. Um, people, people give love cards. You know, people even give flowers. I think this week on Facebook I saw a post, um, a post from Deb, and you know she posted a flower and wrote under the flower, "My man still loves me." Okay, so apparently um, Mr. Carlsberg, you know, gave him, gave her a flower to show his love for her, and that is so nice, you know. So this week today is a day of love, you know. People show affection, and and people even go to the extent of having special events. Couples have special events to celebrate this day. So there is love in the air, okay? But in the midst of all these, there is only one love that stands sure. There is only one love that is unparalleled. There is only one love that is greater than any other love, and that is the love of God. And, and this love is so great and so huge that because of his love for us, in the book of John 3, 16, the Bible says that, because he loved us, he sent his only begotten son that he would die for us. And, 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 and such kind of love can, cannot be found anywhere. For somebody to love you to the extent of giving him his only begotten son, you know, sacrificing his only begotten son for us, it's a great love. So in John 15, 13, the Bible says that greater love has no man than this for someone, you know, to lay down his life for his friend. And that is what God actually did for us. So irrespective of all the love that people are showing all over today, irrespective of, you know, 
I believe that if God should open our eyes to see the things that are flying in the air, we'll be seeing hearts all over the place because it's Valentine's Day. But God's love is the greatest. And, and his, his love has no conditions like, the, like, like that of men, you know. Men, men will love you if you are in their good books. Men will love you if, if, if you do good to them, you know. It's like we reciprocate love, you know. But God's love he, he, he showed to us was not as a result of what we had done. Because the Bible says that even when we were sinners, you know, Christ came to die for us. You know, he created us in his own image and he loved us. And man fell for the deceit of the enemy. And, and it pained God. And if you read the book of Genesis chapter 6, the Bible even says that um, it pained God that he even created man. But irrespective of all these things, the Bible says that he gave his son for us. And that is a greater love. So we, we thank God for his love. You know, he doesn't only love the Christian, but he also loves the unbeliever. And the Bible says that he does not desire in the death of the unbeliever. He's just showing his love, throwing his love, making sure that everybody will come to him. And that is the greatest form of love. And the Bible says that we were once enemies, you know. But now, at a point in time, he also calls us friends. But the Bible makes us to understand in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. He said that, see what great love the Father has bestowed unto us, that we, shall, we should be called the children of God. It's so awesome. You know, people pride to be, you know, children of prominent men. People want to be children of presidents. People want to be children of men of repute, men who, who have made impact. And, and any time they go outside and people want to misbehave, then they will tell you that, don't you know I'm the son of so-so-and-so? Don't you know I'm the son of that? But thanks be to God that you and I are not just children of our parents, but we are actually children of the Most High God. And, and that is the, the greatest accolade you can ever have as a child of God. And we thank God for his love. And, and because God loves us so much, one thing he desires of us is to, you know, give all our hearts unto him. He wants us to dedicate all our hearts unto him. In the book of Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, you know, Jesus Christ was teaching his people and, and the Pharisees came to him. And one, one lawyer, one scribe came and he, and he asked Jesus a question. You know, he said, that what is the greatest commandment? And then Jesus told him that the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Hallelujah. So it means that God desires our hearts. God wants our hearts, you know, to be dedicated to him. Just like how your husband wants you to, you know, you want to have the heart of your husband. You want to have the heart of your wife. In the same way, God also wants us to dedicate our hearts and our lives unto him. And, and, and the issue is that because God loves us and he wants our hearts to be dedicated to him, in the same way, the enemy is also competing with God for our hearts. And that is why we have to guard our hearts. Today's, today's Bible study is guard your heart. So, so the enemy knows that if your heart is dedicated to God, there is nothing that can restrict you. So the work of the enemy is also steal our heart from God, and then also compete with God to win our hearts over. And in Proverbs 4.22, Bible says that we should guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And, and, and because of this, sometimes you, you, you look at a Christian who, who surrenders to God, you know, accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, you know, loves God, gives his whole heart to God, you know, 
always coming to church, always praying, always studying the word of God, and then you begin to see a downward trajectory. You see, at a point in time, the person starts slipping from church. At a point in time, the person stops praying as he or she used to pray. At a point in time, the person stops studying the word of God as he ought to study and, and start replacing all these activities and all the things that he or she used to do for God with other activities. And, and when that happens, you realize that it means the enemy is also trying to steal the heart of the believer. So it's our prayer that in times like this, in these difficult and challenging times, let's let our heart be all dedicated to God. And let's always guard our hearts that the enemy does not take our hearts from God. When you read in the book of Revelation chapter 2, you know, Bible talks about the revelation that John had. And, and there was a letter that was written to the church in Ephesus. You know, in the letter, it started with commendation. It was saying that I know your works, you know, I know your deeds, I know your perseverance, I know your patience, and how you love God and all that, but I have one thing against you. You know, you have stopped your first love. Go back to your first love. So it means that as children of God, there can be times in our lives that the enemy may steal our love for God. And when that happens, it means our hearts are not guarded and he's creeping in. I pray that the Lord helps us. And I want to use this Scripture in Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 to 6, to talk about how the enemy, you know, steals our hearts. The enemy steals our love for God. In the book of Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. And it's about Absalom's um, conspiracy. So, it said, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared his chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so, that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed, by, deputed of the king to hear thee. So verse 4, Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which has any suit or cause might come unto me, and I will do him justice. The verse 5, And it was so, that when any man came nigh to him, to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all, and on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Amen. So when you read this scripture very well, it's very interesting. You know, it talks about um, David's son, Absalom. And Absalom killed his brother Amnon because his brother raped a sister. And because he was afraid of the wrath of King David, he had to run away to a place for about three years. He went in exile for three years because the king was angry and the king wanted, you know, to kill him or to harm him. And for three years, David had not spoken to Absalom. He was in exile. And after some time, he then decided to let bygones be bygones and invited Absalom to come back to Israel. Now, when Absalom came, for two years, David hadn't seen him because he still had some kind of bitterness against him. And after two years, he, because he's a loving king, 
he said that he wanted to see his son. You know, this actually demonstrates the love of God. You know, the love of God is so great. The love of God knows no limits. You know, the most sinners of all sinners in this world is even forgiven by God. You know, so the act of David also shows the love that God has for his children. That irrespective of, of the things we do, irrespective of denigrating his name, irrespective of the sins we commit, he still loves us. So he, he, he actually wanted to see Absalom. You know, after five years, three years in exiles, two years in Israel, but he has still not seen him. And then he just decided to forgive him and he, he embraced him. Now, when he embraced Absalom, what happened was that Absalom also had ulterior motives. Now, he wanted to take away the kingdom of his father, David. And that is what the enemy does. You know, we want to use the ways of Absalom in this scripture to tell us about how the enemy can steal our hearts from God. Now, he allowed him and then Absalom started doing something. Anytime he came to the city gates, you know, he, he, he came to stand there and he wanted to win the hearts of the people of Israel, even before they met the king. Now, he stood by the city way and he, he, he paraded himself as a very important man. You know, when he read scriptures very well, he, he tried to distract the people of Israel. So one of the first things that the enemy does is distraction. What Absalom actually did was that he stood by the city. When you read the word of God in 2 Samuel 14, 25, Bible says that Absalom was a very handsome man. You know, Bible even says that in the whole of Israel, there was no man as handsome as he was. And when he was coming, Bible says that he, he came with chariots, he came with horses, and then he came with 50 men going ahead of him. So it was, it was so impressive. And any time anybody was coming to the king for his case to be judged, you know, you come to the gate and then you meet Absalom. And you see all this splendor, you see all these impressive things. And because of that, he, he distracted the people from getting to the king. And that is what the enemy does. He uses distractions. You know, one thing that keeps us moving, one thing that keeps us going in our Christian walk is when we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And what the enemy does is to cause you to lose sight of Christ. So the people were going to look for the king. But Absalom was there to distract them and to divert them. When you read the word of God in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, Bible says that since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, you know, we should lay aside every weight that easily entangles us and run with endurance, you know, the race that is set ahead of us. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, you know, and who, you know, because of the cross, he, he put away all the shame and, and, and now he's seated on the right hand side of God. So anytime a believer can stand, anytime a believer, you know, can, can live well for God, is when the believer's eyes is fixed on Christ Jesus. Because he's our, he's our example. Bible says that he was just like us. He was tempted in all cases just like us, but yet without sin. So anytime a believer looks onto Jesus, anytime a believer, you know, has Jesus at heart, anytime a believer is glued onto Jesus, irrespective of challenges, irrespective of difficulties, irrespective of what the enemy is throwing, because our eyes are still fixed on Jesus, we stand for him. And, and you see, that was what Absalom was doing. He wanted to cause the people to lose sight of the king. He was just distracting them from King David. He wanted all the attraction to be drawn onto himself. And, and, and so it is in our Christian work. The enemy brings so many distractions. 
anything that strengthens our relationship with the Lord, the enemy brings distractions to pull us away from it. And that is how he steals our heart. So if, if you used to have times, you know, for prayer, he, he, he gradually he steals your heart and, and tries to bring in, you know, reading text messages, reading, you know, other things that may not be of value. So gradually, with pleasure, with entertainment, maybe a time for prayer, he'll tell you that, oh, watch this movie. You watch the movie, and when you're ready to go back to prayer, say, oh, you know, look at it, watch the other episode, because it's very interesting, and it stills your heart, and it continues and continues and continues, especially among the youth. You know, we like these series, these movies. You know, you watch one episode, and then you have the yearning to watch the other episode, and gradually it becomes your mood of life. And, and these are the ways of the enemy. So let's not be distracted, especially in these last days. Let's not be distracted by any form of entertainment, any form of things that takes the place of God. That is why we ought to guard our hearts. Hallelujah. And one thing I, I also see in this scripture is deception. So one of the ways the enemy you know, uses to steal the heart of believers, believers is, this, is, is, is deception. When you read what we read, the word of God in 2 Samuel 15, the verse 3. You know, Bible says that anytime they came to him, you know, what he would tell them was that, where are you coming from? And then the people would tell you, I'm coming from this tribe or that tribe. And then he, was, and he said, what, what do you want to do? He said, I have an issue I want to present before the king. And then he would ask you, tell me the issue. And when the people told him the issue, what he did was that whether the issue was a good issue or a bad issue, all that he will say is that your issue is good. You deserve good judgment. You, you deserve justice. Whether the person would have been guilty before David or would have been innocent before David, he would just proclaim instant justice. Your case is good. You know, he lied to the people. He deceived the people. And then he went on to say that, uh, you know, but if you go, the king has not elected anybody to deal with your case. There is nobody to deal with your case. I only wish I was a king. I only wish I was the judge. You know, he was just trying to, you know, put himself before the people. He wanted to project himself before the people so that he could win their hearts. He said, I would have given you instant justice. I would have made sure that your case is a positive case and would have gotten the, the, the justice that you deserved. And that was deception. And that is the ways of the enemy. When you read the word of God in John 8, 44, the Bible says that the enemy is the father of all lies, you know, and that is what he has been doing from the beginning of time. And, and in, the, in the Garden of Eden, he, he used his, his, his quality as, as somebody who deceives to deceive Adam and Eve. And, and he caused them to lose their glory in the Garden of Eden. He tried to use this same deception against Jesus. But thanks be to God that he is God and he knows all things and there is nothing that can overcome him. He overcame the enemy. Hallelujah. And, and this same strategy of the enemy he uses against today's believer just to steal our hearts from God. So the enemy will tell you that in these times, you don't need to be a Christian. The enemy will tell you that what is the essence of going to the house of God and having fellowship. The enemy will tell you that why would you read your scriptures when you have tons of notes to study for your exams? You know, he keeps on putting ideas into the minds of believers. And everybody and his or her own peculiar situation. The devil deceives people in so many ways. So one of the things he does is deception. And one of the things he does is distractions. So to this morning we are talking about guarding our hearts. You know, guarding our hearts. And as we continue to guard our hearts, 
the Lord also helps us. The last one I'll talk about is discouragement. The enemy also uses discouragement. When you, when you read the scriptures very well, you know, at a point, he discouraged, Absalom discouraged the people. He, 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 he painted his father, David the king, as a bad person. Because when the people were so anxious to present their, king, their, their, their case to the king, he will tell you that the, the king has not, does not have anybody you know, to, to work on your case. So already he discourages the people that there is nothing that can be done on their case. When you read the Message Bible, Message Bible states that the king will not rule, rule over your, your case. You know, it goes straight to say that the king will not rule over your case. You know, but even King James makes, makes it look a bit mild by saying that he has not elected anybody to deal with your case. So, so that, is, that is what the enemy does to discourage you that, that, that this, this situation that you are in, God, God will not help you. You know, you, you have been serving God all the days of your life. You know, since you were a child, you have given all your life unto God. You have stayed under the feet of God. What have you actually gotten from God? You know, and, and sometimes, I don't know about the U.S., sometimes in, in Africa, where in the church we have young ladies who have dedicated themselves to God, served God all their, all their lives, and, and, you know, they are looking for spouses. And it's like they have stayed in the church, and, and nobody is looking at them. No spouse is coming, and, and, and they still stay pure to God until a point in time you realize that these people start slipping from church, and there you see that the enemy is still in their hearts because people are telling you, Master, you won't get any, any, anybody to come for you in the church. Start going outside, and, and, and sways people away. And it was so very common, common that you, you see a Christian believer, somebody you, who actually served the Lord, and you don't see the person any longer in church just because the enemy has stolen the person. You know, the, the, the enemy always wants to paint, paint God as a bad God. But we, we serve a good God. We serve a God who has the interests of his people at heart. The, the thing that God does is that he works in seasons and times. And he makes sure that when it's the season and when it is the time, it will not backfire. What he has said concerning us comes to pass. So, so let's not be discouraged. You know, let's, let's not be distracted. Let's not be deceived. These are some of the strategies of the enemy to steal our hearts from God, especially in these last days, especially with this pandemic. You know, it's, it's, it's become like a holiday for people. Church, church is no longer even in the calendar of people. Church is no longer even in the, in the, in the itinerary of people. Nobody even plans. People, a lot of people don't plan. Sometimes I call people back in, in, in Ghana. I talk to friends and, and then they ask me, ah, so do you still go to church? I say, yeah, I, I go to church. There was a time I was coming to church when I got to the entrance. I, I received a call from a cousin who is in Virginia. And then he wanted to talk to me. And I said, well, I'm, I just arrived at church. I'll call you after church. He said, ah, are you still going to church in this pandemic? Why do you still go to church? Aren't you scared of, your, of, 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 of the virus? You have two kids. You, you have a wife. Aren't you, aren't you even me who, who is not married? I, I won't put myself at risk. But what is so much, you know, good to, to, than to come to the house of the Lord? What is, what is so much beautiful, what is so much awesome than to be under the feet of God? David said, I was glad when he said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, I believe that there was a mystery in the house of the Lord that David experienced. That was why he always desired that all the days of his life, he would be in the house of God. So, so let's, let's stand firm in times like this and guard our hearts. 
because messages and then information that is flowing on TV and all these places can distract us. They can, they can deceive us and they can discourage us from fully dedicating our hearts unto God. So, so this morning, this is what God laid on my heart to share with us, that we should guard our hearts. You know, he, he loves us. He wants our hearts to be dedicated to him. Today is a day of love, and it's all about loves and hearts. He wants our hearts to be dedicated unto him, and that let's not be distracted, let's not be deceived, let's not be discouraged. Let us just surrender our hearts unto him. And as we continue to serve him, he also delights in us, and he blesses us. So this morning, may the Lord bless us, and may the Lord show us much favor, so we'll be able to guard our hearts from every deception and discouragement of the enemy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Shall we bow down our heads? Lord, we thank you and give you all the glory for today. We give you praise for your word that has come. This morning you've made us to understand that our hearts are very valuable unto you and you want our hearts to be dedicated to you. We pray and ask that help us, O Lord, to be able to withstand and overcome every dis- distractions and every discouragement and every deceptions of the enemy. We are praying and asking that keep us hot even in times like this. Help us not to sway away from your presence, but in all things let us be dedicated unto you so that we might find favor before you all the days of our lives. We want to thank you and bless you. We commit today's service to you. We pray that let it be awesome. Let it be a blessing. Let our lives not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.